Welcome to I Talk Shit and Read. This is your host, Ro, and today I'm joined by sci-fi fantasy horror author Matt Wallace. I had the opportunity to speak with Matt about his epic fantasy trilogy known as The Savage Rebellion. Now, there are plenty of books about empire building, fantasy worlds with utopian societies with evil lurking beneath the surface, but The Savage Rebellion offers action, intrigue, hidden dangers, shifting loyalties, all bound up in an examination of the cost of empire building and ruling. Listen in as I chat with Matt about how the Savage Rebellion came to be, writing metaphorically without going off the rails. Then go read the three books, Savage Legion, Savage Bounty, and the final, Savage Crown. You'll thank me later. I found out about Savage Legion from Twitter, because I follow you on Twitter. Oh, I had no idea. I was looking for you on Twitter, and I couldn't find you, so I was... That's very interesting. It's under at BookBlurred. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not under Row. I followed you because of something that you said about wrestling. And I was like, what's happening here? And then I realized I had a significant number of books in your house and I had never made the connection. That's awesome. That makes me so deliriously happy. I always worry about my wrestling shit posts turning people off. So that's fantastic. The shit posts work. (laughs) I will remember that. So, and then I was like, wait, Matt Wallace, Matt Wallace, Matt Wallace. Why do I know this name? And I started looking around. I'm like, Oh, that book's by Matt Wallace. Nah. That that book's by Matt Wallace, too. I'm like, I read Matt Wallace. Okay, Matt Wallace is an author. Great. There are there are many of us. There is a very prominent producer named Matt Wallace. I get his email all the time. There's a golfer. There's a NASCAR driver. Like, you never know. You can never be sure which Matt Wallace you're dealing with. Honestly. Yeah, well, I'm from the South, so I know the, uh, the NASCAR driver, uh, Matt Wallace. Right. And we're not, we're not following that Matt Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I am, in fact, not making that mistake. Yeah, but th- I was like, "What? how did I not make this connection? And then I realized it's because I'd never actually looked at who was writing the Gluttony Bay books. I just go, ooh, grab it, right. read. And that was like my first introduction. And I was like, okay, these are pretty cool. Yeah, this is sitting in my wheelhouse of fun and mess. <laughs> so when you announced that you were writing um, Savage Legion, I'm like, oh, I, I like epic fantasy. I like fantasy. So do I. That was kind of my reaction too. I mean, you're the author. I would, I would hope. Would, <laughs> right. I would hope that you like the book that you're writing. <laughs> Otherwise, we've 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 had some slight failures. But I hadn't really read anything like this particular type of fantasy. Every you know, you, like everybody says that, and they're trying to you know gas you up. But right. Like, I like books that are about empire buildings and them falling, but the, like, you know, if you go classic epic fantasy, you're usually going to run into the chosen one or the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, forced into this position type situation. But your book feels like giving like this story about classism without beating people in the face with it. Right. And I mean, that's always the challenge with, with stuff like that. And I mean, I do, I, I write video games too, and we're working on something that deals with colonization a lot and anti-colonialism a lot right now. And that's always, it's like, we don't want to be so overt. It's like, these, these are metaphors for what's going on now, but right. like you want to address it in a way so i i'm glad it didn't come across like i was beating you over the head with it that was something i was very much trying to do it's a really captivating story and the fact that you're like you you the person evie you know like even in the the press release and the materials they give you where like evie is not a savage she is a warrior i was like what the fuck is different bitch it's different <laughs> <laughs> like, all y'all motherfuckers i can kill the people what i mean what's really good right now <laughs> Awesome. I'm like the ego on this heifer. And I was all in 100%. Yeah, I'm that's like, awesome. I was like, 
the, the covers are fantastic. I, I literally read a synopsis and you know him. I text Brent and I said, have you read this book? She's oh. like, he's like, bitch, it's all my, I was like, first of all, I'm the one who says that. You can't say that to me. But no. he's like, no, it's fabulous. It's fantastic. I'm like, okay, that's all I need to know. And I ordered it. And I read the book. That's awesome. And it was fantastic. And I absolutely understood all the hype that was coming into about it. Because this idea of like, you know, you have to show people who you really are. And then you have to figure out who it is and why you're fighting for what you're fighting for. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, I care about these people that I dead ass ain't been caring about. <laughs> you know, anytime you have a book where somebody is invested in somebody and they always have to have that are we the baddies moment that's that's awesome like i said i just never expect that so i just the i I just that makes me very happy i also wish i could go back in time and i want to put on the first cover the ego on this heifer ronda moore (laughs) like that's the blurb i want on the book from now until eternity i'm literally going to ask them if we can do that if anybody like we're trying to sell the foreign rights right now if it comes out overseas that's going on the cover, and that's going to be in my deal that I make. I will sign the release so you can have it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, but speaking to that, like when you right. were coming up to, with your, because look, I talk all day long about dire situations and fucked up shit, but right. your writing process, like, you know, you sound like you have a little bit of imposter syndrome that sits in the front of your mind. That's fair. You seem to be a little surprised at how much I love what you do. <laughs> Um, that's, that's entirely, I know I do. It's also, um, I mean, this series in particular, just to be, just to be brutally honest, like it's had a very troubled publishing journey, Mm -hmm. uh, since I signed the saga back in like 2018, which feels like a million years ago at this point. And I think that has seeped into my head a little bit. And I I do get a little bit of that. Like nobody knows about these books. Nobody's read them. Um, which I know isn't true because people like people, like I've been kind of people like you have told me. I read these books. I love these books. And I've talked about this on, on Twitter, too. It's like when an author says that, when they say nobody is reading these books, really what we're saying is not enough people are reading and loving these books to satisfy my ego. Like, that's that's the truth. Or my pocketbook or whatever it is. I share. But I'm going to get a yeah. t-shirt that says, I am nobody, damn it. And, you know, <laughs> start wearing it in interviews so y'all know I'm here for you. But when you're when you're trying to come up with this, because this is, this is an epic journey. This is like a true mm-hmm. fantasy epic journey and did you know going into the first book that you were going to write a book that was that was going to be a three-parter that was going to be a trilogy oh absolutely no no man that was i mean i when i originally set out to come up with some kind of idea for this like it was more about before i even had anything it was i knew i always wanted to write like my version of an epic fantasy i wanted to write my big sprawling book spanning you know, multi-part epic fantasy series because I grew up loving those things. So I was fine. We were literally just talking about it again on Twitter because that's all apparently I fucking do is talk on Twitter. I'm sorry, can I curse on the show? Or can I curse Absolutely. Sweet. So that's all I fucking do is on Twitter is just shit posts. But we were just talking about like uh, the Dragonlance books because that was the first, uh, those were the first fantasy books I ever read, you know, way back in the, in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, whenever it was a million years ago. And since I was a kid, I always loved that type of, that type of book and the way they made me feel and the journey that they took you on and just how, you know, far, both in terms of like literally physical distance and emotionally they would travel in the span of the story and how the characters would change. And I just love those kind of stories. And I always thought someday I would like to write my version of a big sprawling multi-part epic fantasy series. And I finally had kind of a germ of an idea for one and it took a really long time to develop it, but that absolutely was the intention with this was for this to be my, 
I can't, I approach it like, look, I may never write another one of these again. Like I write, like I'm a very short form writer naturally. Novels are very difficult for me, to be honest. And so I approach it like if I never write a big, sprawling, multi-part, multi-book series again, I want this to be the one that I'm proud of. And I can point to and say, all right, I did, I did my take on it. I'm really happy with it my version of the epic fantasy. So yeah, it was built in, it was baked in from day one, for sure. Okay. It's like, but what really captured me about it is like, I really loved how you designed and wrote Evie because not only did you build the world and like the world's fucked up. This, this, this. <laughs> yes, it is. It absolutely is. That's uh, the whole point. And, and, but I love the fact, like th- there's this whole idea going around around now that a narrative style can be taught to a machine and then you don't need the human anymore and that machine can just do that thing. Yes, right. I was on Twitter and yes, I'm heated about the story engine thing, leave me alone. But- <laughs> no. no, no, I am too. It's, yeah, it's deeply, deeply annoying and terrifying. Yeah, but I feel like a part of the reason why tech bros feel like they just can say, we've unlocked the key to creativity and now you don't need those people anymore it's kind of specifically like what you just said you're like i read these travelers books they were these big sprawling adventures they've had this thing i wanted to write my version of it and it's great and 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 on one level you were like oh well you just wanted to do this thing and so it's paint by numbers so if i can figure out what your formula is i can go do this and i don't need you <laughs> And as, as someone who loves genre and loves spectralist fiction and loves fantasy, to be able to come in and get a book where you you have a you have a you know a female protagonist, and, right? And but then her motive is like, I'm gonna find the person I love, even if I have to kill all you motherfuckers <laughs> to do it. I'm like, oh, she's a little monstrous. I like it. I'm here for it. But it that in and of itself is you, the person looking right. at this world and saying there's a story here that I have to tell that still fits within this genre but it's mine so when you're designing how you wanted to write and how you wanted the words on the page to feel to the people what's kind of like that process for you oh no sure and I mean it's like you said like I'm not a machine you can't just plug in okay I'm gonna write an epic fantasy and sit down and do it like it took me you know when I first had that thought I was a kid and then it was 20 years or however until I finally had an idea where I was like, okay, this could be that thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's definitely not a paid by numbers process, but uh, it's, it's just, it's a hard question to answer. I, actually, it's not. I was just talking to somebody earlier about that. I was talking about how I get very obsessed with world building and with the idea of a really sexy premise. And I, and I, and I can endlessly world build and endlessly plot that out for days. But like, if you don't have the characters to go with it, nobody's going to give a shit. Like, I was literally just having a conversation with a friend about this earlier. And the people are always the hardest part. And that was the part that took me, I think, took me the longest to figure out. It's like, who are the people in the story and why is anybody going to give a shit about them? Because I had a cool world. I had a cool idea, this idea of conscripts and it's sort of the dirty secret of the secretly utopian, seemingly utopian empire. That was that was very interesting to me. Then the idea of like a self-aware epic fantasy where it's like if the people designing the world of an epic fantasy could learn from other epic fantasy stories what wouldn't they do like what pitfalls would they try to avoid and how would that world end up and i like that a lot i like the idea that even with all that knowledge and as well as you can design something people in power and people who form a system once it's a system it's inevitably going to start fucking people over like it doesn't matter how well you design that machine um when it becomes a bureaucracy the bureaucracy eats eats everything you know you have to you have to break it down to, to communities of people just kind of helping each other um so all that was really good. And I had all that for a long time, but I didn't have the characters. And the the interesting thing about that is when I first had the idea for Savage Legion, 
it was originally called Wild Man, and it was originally I, I didn't have very many women in the story, to, to be honest with you, because um, this was a very long time ago. You know, I was it was in my twenties. I I was a pro wrestler. I, I had a lot of edge lord in me. I had a lot of learning to do about people. I had a lot of learning to do about empathy and about representation. Just about you know. The deprogramming myself from all the hardware I had had reading all the shit that I grew up with, where it's just like naturally you go to, it's a strong male warrior, because if you're going to have like a savage warrior, like that's who it has to be. And then I had a conversation with Cameron Hurley, actually, and she had told me the story about um, when they had done the new Star Trek series, like the new generation, and they had changed the line to boldly go where no man has gone before to bold to, to change that line to to boldly go where no person has gone before, she literally started crying and she had no idea why. And when she dissected that, she realized it's because like she felt very excluded from that before. And it was that conversation that made me start thinking, well, what if the main character was a woman and not a man? And how would she fit into the world I made? And that led to the whole, I read an article about um, Chinese bodyguards, how often um, women are hired for that role to escort children because some heads more appropriate or less threatening in society or whatever it is. And I started thinking she could be that. And it, it just led me down this whole different path that I wouldn't have considered before. And that really was when I started building a character that I went, okay, I give a shit about her and her motivation. I think other people will too. I, I like, I like all of that because it's obvious. It's obvious through the first book. It's definitely obvious in the second book when we're like full on, in the out and out rebellion where her motive right. is beyond just simply finding her person who's missing, mm-hmm. you know, and watching the evolution. It's kind of like you just said, you had an evolution in a large journey and, you know, burning out the edge Lord. Thanks for doing that. Cause I appreciate hey. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I try to deserve the thanks for it. It was just, it was something that had to be done, but I'm glad I did it. I'm glad it, I'm glad hey. I did the work. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm fully cooked. I still got work to do, but I'm trying. Look, yeah, everybody's I'm really still trying. Baking. Everybody's still baking. But the simple fact that yeah. you acknowledge it means I can be, I can frankly say, I'm like any man who recognizes that is, you know, <laughs> that's not necessarily a good place to sit. I appreciate no, it. No, no. But, like, when you got into the second book and it was really out, you're, like, you're full into the rebellion. And I was just like, you have a vicious way. I keep hearing, and I think it's interesting the people who I hear making the comment, we will not use their name because I would judge them, um, <laughs> where they say that there's something that they feel like there's illogical in how you go about, like, doing the battles. And I'm like, mm, right. you've never been body slammed. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't get into responding to criticism like that. But I will say, I 100 percent agree with that yeah. one, and I've had that thought myself. Yeah. I, but I can say it, and now you can just say, "Well, Rosa, you. it's because you haven't been body slammed, and you're honest." Exactly. Right there, if you'd like me to fix that for you. <laughs> but, but I also I feel like that's a, a thing that we don't necessarily talk about when it comes to world building and in the bubbles, and in like whether or not right. you have an active or a passive. Um, protagonist and what it is mm. it's like it could have been very easy for you to keep Evie, Evie very focused on this very narrow thing and even though she suddenly cares about the people around her she right. could, you know a lot of what is bad about well not bad a lot about what is limiting about certain types of fantasy of the epic variety mm-hmm. is the narrowness of their focus you know my, right. my mission is X yeah and every, absolutely everything absolutely. is in service to X you very swiftly get in here and she's like, well, shit. <laughs> Y'all just like people. 
people people. I mean, like, and, you know, we have shit in common. And, like, as, as, so you actually use not only, like, rooting for this character in their rights and their wrongs. Mm, of course. And, um, no, I don't do that for men. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, like, if there's a male protagonist <laughs> and they start going too far left on me, I'm like, see, now I gotta hope for you to die. It's, it's, nah. it's like, it's, it's like for me, if somebody, like, I've been rooting for is like, suddenly decides they want to perform a Alicia Keys song, I'm like, nope, I'm off the strain. Okay. I'm just being honest about No. That's real. That's but very real. Was, I mean, it's, it is the, you yeah. There was something about the way that you started to develop Evie's awareness that also felt like someone widening the lens and the scope and the context that they gave to the things that are happening around them. And to start questioning the idea of what utopia in and of itself meant. Right. Absolutely. That's um, a, yeah, and I mean... No, no I'm sorry. Say, that's a hell of a theme, but by all means... <laughs> no, no, I just... I, I totally agree. And that was, to me, like, when I talk about sprawling epic fantasy and the scope of epic fantasy, like, it can't just be, you know, we traveled 3,000 miles and fought a bunch of battles and now I killed the bad guy at the end. But you know, to me... in there. It's fine now. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. And then the eagles and all that poor shit. But, um... <laughs> Sorry, I could just shit talk. Tolkien for now. Uh, no, but, like, to me, the, when I talk about scope and I talk about sprawling, it, that has to apply to the characters, too. Like, the most interesting thing to me about those stories, when I look back on them, isn't the miles they travel, it isn't how much time passes, it isn't how they end up in a completely different place than they start. Physically, it's about the character's journey and how they grow and how they change and how they become this completely different person by the end of the story than the person you met at the beginning of the story. And also have that make sense to... Um, the reader or the viewer, you know, it's like, I remember seeing like the Godfather as a kid. And what struck me so much about that movie was how Pacino's character ends up this completely different person at the end of the movie. that he started out. It's so striking, but you understand the journey that he goes on and he gets there gradually. And it makes sense why he becomes this different person at the end. And I just, those kind of characters just fascinate me so much. I don't even know why, but it's, and it's also almost like some, from a reader standpoint, they fascinate me just following that journey, but also from a writer standpoint, it's almost like a magic trick. It's like, can I pull that off? Can I start this character emotionally, mature wise, personality wise at point A, get them all the way to point Z and not have anybody call bullshit on it or not get why they're different now or not get their journey. Like if you can take someone all the way with that journey and they, and they go for the ride and they like the ride, that's just a really cool thing to be able to pull off. And that's what I wanted to do with the characters, all the, all the main characters in this story was take them on that journey, but also make sure that worked. Cause going back to the Godfather analogy, I think that's why Godfather three doesn't work to a certain extent is because they try to do the same thing with Andy Garcia's character and you don't buy it. Like one minute he's this guy and another minute he's this guy and the germ, the middle is like missing and that, and I don't buy it at all. It pisses me off. So yeah, no, I'm that's like just, yeah. Yeah. It's like one second he's in leather jackets and he's a street guy and then he slicks his hair back and suddenly he's really refined and ready to run the global crime family. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, mean, there's an explanation there, but I don't think we should talk about it. But, because it's just... (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other episode, a whole other story, but... It really is. That's just, yeah. Those are the, but those are the polar kind of examples that I'm choosing to go with that just kind of explain that. But that's why, and it's particularly Evie, because we're talking, you know, talking about Evie, it's like, I didn't, one thing is I didn't want her whole motivation to be 
go rescue this guy that I'm in love with. As much as I like, you know, gender flipping a damsel in distressing, like that's not enough. Like if that's her motivation all the way through the book, especially for a guy who's married to someone else and the love's going to be unrequited. I just didn't want it to be that thing of like, well, I can't be with them, but I saved them and I'm happy for them and all of that. Like she needed her own thing. And part of it was her going out on this mission, but then she almost reluctantly finds her own thing and it veers off into her own thing. And it stops being about, you know, that, that very early motivation that she had. I like when motivations change too. You know, a lot of times, like you said, especially in, in fantasy, I find that motivation can be so tunnel focused and so narrow, you know, it never changes throughout the story. It's, I have a quest, I have a thing, there's a relic, I gotta find it, I gotta destroy it, I gotta kill the bad guy. And, you know, if they even if they travel 3,000 miles to do that, if they don't change, it just isn't interesting to me. You know? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's what actually truly hooked me all the way into this series. Because um, I was like, so she doing all this for a dude, huh? Right, exactly, exactly. Right. I'm like, that feels like some bullshit. But I'm always right. willing to give a book that has solid world building uh, a chance to to show me that you've got something going on. So when it 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 turned because I I don't have a problem with the reverse you know damsel uh, trope either. I was like no go, right. go save your baby. But when you started yeah. to, like having it unfolded, I was like she can't even have this. This is some bullshit. What the fuck? <laughs> and that's when I text Brent. I'm like Brent. He's like keep reading. I'm like I don't know if I want to. He's like trust me. I was like look. The battles are ruthless. Uh, like the, her work ethic is amazing. Like everything about her and her sensibility is 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 a warrior. I, like I can deal with the ego because I'm completely convinced of my own self worth. So a bitch ain't got a problem with arrogance. I'm like, but this no. whole I'm like, but this motivation, man. He's like, keep reading, keep reading. I promise. And it was shortly after I. It almost always is shortly after like she reached that precipice and that crossroads, and I was like, oh, right. Okay, I'm gonna let Matt cook. I'm. I was like, I'm. In, I'm <laughs> and I'm. I'm. Because I like. I. I will be honest. I mean, you know, reading a book not written by a woman. And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. can you do it? Can you? Don't fault shit off for that attitude. And I appreciate you giving me the rope and, and letting me cook. But you I did totally not hang you yourself. You saved yourself. <laughs> I'm. I, I'm here. I was all the way for it. I was like, so you managed to put together this this idea of like what a woman you know on a mission can do and then like the the the, a whole different kind of underdog idea but then you put it in and like the thing that i deeply most appreciate about the way that you design the women in this is they have a deep and very comfortable relationship with ruthlessness right and i'm just curious how is it that you know that about us who told uh, you? I'm I'm married to a woman who is an attorney and has to function in the world of law, and most of it comes from that. To be perfectly honest with you, it's just watching and hearing and experiencing through her eyes what she has to do to function within that world and be very successful. She's very successful. She's a partner at a law firm, and uh, I'm immensely proud of her. But she's she's had to work her ass off to do it, and she's had to get very comfortable with ruthlessness to a to a to a level to do that. And I draw on her very much um, when I'm building women in, in my stories and, and vet them with her, honestly, because she's, she's someone who will call bullshit on what I write immediately. If it's not ringing true. I just saw this trailer for uh, this Julia Louis Dreyfus movie. I, you hurt my feelings. And the whole premise seems to be that she finds out that her husband doesn't like the book she wrote. And I just started 
cackling because Nikki will just tell me when I hand her a first draft that I worked six months on, this sucks. You need to do it again. And that's just, first of all, I need that and I expect it. It's one of the reasons I married her and I, I appreciate that. But another is just like, if I couldn't deal with that, we, would have, we wouldn't have been together for 13 years. So, but yeah, that's, that's really where, where it comes from. And I'm blessed to have her help and her perspective uh, on my stuff when, when I'm writing women. So is, is, is the, I don't want to name the new character for people who haven't necessarily gotten this far into the series to Savage sure. Crowns. Because um, uh, dear listeners, if you think I'm not going to be telling y'all to buy these books all day. <laughs> Thank look, you so much. Look, you need to understand. I started reading Savage Legion. I'm like, oh, I'll just soak in the bathtub, read the book. Yeah, I turned into a damn prune. No! Because I did not move once right. I sat down. And then I was reading... Uh, the 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 second one as a like when I was going into an infusion clinic, and I'm gonna tell you that's the best place to take a book that's got an amazing cover like your books do, because people are like right. what is that? What who is who is that brown girl in that blue book? Uh, hi, the book is Savage Bounty. It's Matt Wallace. You have to read the first one. Well, can I get it digital? Cause I ain't got nothing to do today. Yeah, sure. Give me your phone. Let me download it for you. Oh, Let me one click this I... shit into your life i love that i love that so much and i want you to be my publicist henceforth going forward on any book i write that's well, so see, amazing if i'm your publicist people say i'm biased if i'm just a book right writer, right if you're just a reader yeah, yeah. no that's really yeah, yeah that's well, everything well like like i used to I, I i am a perennial book pusher i i've walked up to straight most of the friends that i have made that don't come through school or some other connection to where I'm held hostage to that place I have no choice to be, AKA my job, um, right. it's from bookstores or conventions and stuff like that. I have been known to physically take a book and throw it at a person to get their attention. <laughs> and then when they pick it up to bring it back to me, I would say, oh no, that was for you. And right? <laughs> yeah, let me know what you think later. I, I, and then they end up thanking you for it. Like, thank you for yeah. throwing that book in my head. It changed yeah. my life. Yes, I totally I get will, it. Yeah. I will book push to, that is how I deal with strangers is reading material. And there's just something unique, especially once you get into Savage Bounty and it's full rebellion land. And, you know, mm. she's trying to figure out who her enemies are and who her friends are and what she really means and how she, where she's going to position herself. And bitch, you done ended up as a general and you don't even know what the fuck is going on. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't even got half. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, she's like, I don't even have the same motivation. Why y'all motherfuckers following me? I just, I really, yeah. like, but like learning to embrace that and shedding off the naivety, mm -hmm. you know, keeping the conviction with that and, and kind of dialing down the arrogance. Those are all things that it was amazing. Um, and, and now I'm fascinated and I feel like I should send your wife gifts um, to see you Great kind gifts. of, I mean, look, if you get random gifts from <laughs> through your publicist and it says it's from Roe and it's, don't worry, it's not for you. Just give it to your wife. It's fine. But <laughs> be fine with that. But, Sorry. Yeah. No, but like when you get this whole idea, it's like you have these colliding personalities, and uh -huh. everybody is three dimensional. And can I say again, the battles are ruthless. I like the way that you design how they fight and how you put together what like warmongering and and all of the secrets and all of that comes together. So you said that you could world build for days. How did you rein yourself in and decide how this world really needed to look and feel? Oh my god! I mean, I was the Savage Legion in particular was I think the, it's definitely I think it's definitely the longest I've ever taken with the first draft of anything. It had to be three or four years at least, and I rewrote it all at least uh, one time 
back to, back to front. Um, paring that down is always. I mean, a thing that I almost get insecure about with the series is such a stupid thing, honestly. Is um, my, the books actually get shorter in length as they go on? And I have so many friends who write big epic fantasy series that I like. Fonda Lee is a good example. I love uh, I love her Jade series. Uh, their books just get more giant as the series goes on until you end up with this giant tune for the last one. But for me, I feel like I wanted I wanted the first book to do the heavy lifting in terms of setting up the world and getting you to understand how everything works. And then as it went on, I wanted to pare it down to just following the characters and following the story and not bloat it with more world building that it didn't, that it didn't need it from just from my perspective. Um, but then I get insecure about how long the books are. Cause I feel like I'm doing something wrong because they're not longer as they go on. But that's kind of, that's kind of how I address what you're talking about is I, I really wanted to design a world that you could take in and you would, you would feel comfortable in it. You would feel like you understood how it worked. And then we could just go on and get to, get to the story we were telling and the characters and their journey and their motivation and them interacting with that world. And that's, you know, book two really focuses on that book two is about, is about that rebellion. It's about the struggle that each of the main characters is having to, you know, sort of keep their keep and, and keep expressing their independence and keep fighting against whatever part of the system they're caught in. Um, but I didn't want to do a thing where I kept adding new parts and new sections and new places that I had to keep explaining over and over again. I wanted one overview of this very structured, systematic world, and then I wanted to pare it down into just following the characters and following the story and, and you know, making that a real pure journey that moves, too. Because like, I can get very, as much as I love epic fantasy, I can get very bogged down in these giant tomes, especially... Like, writing a book that length is a very difficult thing to do well. And I know a lot of people do it. Like, I mentioned Fonda Lee. Fonda does it very well. She's got a very intricate world, and you never feel like you're getting bogged down in the details. But in a lot of books, I feel like I'm three books in. I don't need to be bogged down with more minutia about how the system of government works or what the money is or what the calendar is. You know, I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in those details. I'm with it now. I'm following the characters. I care about what's happening with, happening with them. Can we just, you know, there's a point where it's like, I just want to be on that journey. So that was very much in my head when I was designing, like, how I was going to present the world and how I was going to do the world building with these books. I think it works. And, um, I mean, I own Fonda Lee's books. And I understand what you're saying. I Look, I own her books. I own multiple copies of those books. I should, <laughs> I should control myself. But, um... But but I I felt like what the the processes you described is a process that isn't generally given enough credit in fantasy, and it's and I'm highly appreciative of it. Like you have several characters in here that you can get behind and be all about rooting for and be interested in what's happening with them, and giving the book and giving the world in bounty and having it be really robust and having you get the quirks and the turns and getting into the second world right. and starting to see, um, you know, Evie's journey and then Dee's journey. Like, look, like, that little ruthless bitch. I know, right? I love her. <laughs> I do too. But like, but like not having to then go back and then have to follow, like just dropping in directly into seeing what's happening and seeing these things build. Like you can start following and forming the lines, I kind of felt like the the revelation of what the secret was, um, you know, seeing how, like, teams and, and loyalties were coming down. Mm -hmm. 
I felt like you spent an, a, a fantastic amount of time and you gave like really crisp, you know, dialogue driven moments that were then woven into the bigger narrative in a way that I didn't feel like you neglected the, the, the world building at all. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, that's and that's the point. I'm, I really like hearing you say that. It was because it's not about neglecting the world building. It's about doing it in a way where the opposite is true. Like, you don't feel like I'm neglecting the world building, but I'm also not bogging you down with details you don't need. You know, right. so but I still learn makes, new yeah. things about what right, was happening. Right. And that's usually yeah. what doesn't happen when someone says they want to kind of go do a slim journey through. Right. So, like, when you get into Savage Crown, like, the book got here and I was like, this package is too small. Right. And then I was like, you know, you know, you're here. But my first thought when I said, this motherfucker is going to kill a lot of people. Things are going to go terrible. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, he didn't need as many pages again. Oh God, this is, I, this, right. I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Wait a minute. They might lose. I love when I haven't even opened a book and I have like seriously <laughs> fan casted people to failure and success before I've even opened the page. I love it. So like, I do the same thing. Like I was like, do I should I? St-? I'm like, should I start back at the beginning? Should I read the first book again before I open this book? Am I ready for this stress in my life? Cause you you write some stressful shit, and you like a cliffhanger. It's not cool. I do, and people have varying opinions about that. But I mean, I you know, I like an I'll call it ambiguous. I like an ambiguous ending yes. sometimes, yes. and uh, especially in a middle section. You know, I mean, I was I was reared on Star Wars. I'm not too proud to admit that it's like you know empire set heavy in my consciousness as a small child and like i don't think there's anything wrong with that when you when you understand that you are you're reading a book that is going to take multiple parts to finish out the story you know i tried it i tried to make the middle one especially episodic in a way to where you felt you got conclusions to certain threads but then also other threads we're going to move on, you know, and it's, so yeah, I do, I do like a cliffhanger. I'll admit it. I'm not, you know, I'm not above it. Yeah. Now. Okay. So when I say that it's not right, that, you know, I mean, thank you. Just, <laughs> no, no. I hear okay. You. Just I was like, I don't know if the tone came across. I'm not, I don't have a look. I throw books. Like one of the, <laughs> <laughs> My... no, no, that was, yeah, sorry. No, but that was less about you. And just more about, I've had a lot of other people mm-hmm. talk about the cliffhangers in a way of like, Patently saying, I do not like books that end on a cliffhanger and it pisses me off. So it's oh. more a reaction to, to those people. Yeah, yeah. no. Like, yeah. I, I live a life where there's a distinct possibility where someone can say, but wait, there's more. And then there's five years before I get to find out what the hell the more is. Just understand. Right, right. I'm still here five years later waiting. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fucking here. It's fine. It's, 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 it's okay. It's like, I left yeah, space no. for you on the shelf. I'm a regional fan. We'll come back. I'll wait. Yeah, okay. I got time. Uh, um, wow. I mean, look, you know, I'm I'm unhinged and controlled, and sometimes people have to try to bring that in, which is probably why I like this trilogy so much. I'll, I'll take that all day. I mean, you're my target audience, to be honest with you. I and mean, uh, we've only we've only been talking for half an hour, and I already feel like we're best friends. So we, you're you're doing great with you. Keep doing it. I'm, I'm enjoying I'm, this conversation immensely. I'm I'm keeping you. You can't go away, and it's too late, <laughs> it's too late to try to escape. <laughs> I know you're probably. I'm good, but yeah, I will know. I won't get tired of this conversation. I promise you. Okay, I, like you said, I have an, I have imposter syndrome. My ego's underfed, so this is all great for now, me. No, I saw a thread where you were talking about the stresses with writing, and I haven't written fiction in a while, and I get yelled at because um, when I can't sleep, I'll get up and write whatever it is. I have this persistent character in my head, and one day I'm pretty sure she's gonna figure out how to physically manifest herself in the real world, so she can bitch slap me until I put her on the page. No. 
and it's and a lot of it has to do with what you said earlier it's it's all well and good to have this idea or where the world is but until you have that thing there's not really anything that you can do besides yeah. think about it until you have that thing and this bitch won't tell me where the fuck she lives so i can't fucking write it down well then that's on her yeah okay, come on. i mean but yeah. she now like follows into other dreams and starts like fucking shit up like hey what about me i'm like <laughs> why are you here you do not live in this dream and i'm always curious that when you have to come back and you're at the third book and you know it's the right. end and this is like this is a true personalities collide. Like these, they like they are literally people coming at things from opposite directions mm -hmm. with different motivations. One of which is like, "Bitch, I'm not going back to broke," you know. Right. <laughs> and, no, that's real. That's yeah. And that again, like I like the the scheming and the willingness to do have been fully fleshed out and established. So when you get to the point to where you're kind of coming to the epic conclusion, how did you decide how that was going to kind of work out machination wise? I, that was, that changed a lot, honestly. Um, Cause when I first started thinking about the series again, and this, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about sort of like deprogramming yourself from everything you've taken in over your life. Like, and, cause originally when I started, I felt like, yeah, so when I first started thinking about the story, just because, you know, reading the epic fantasy that I'd read all my life, like, naturally, these three women are going to have to come, they're going to have to be at odds in the last book, and their ideologies are going to have to oppose each other, and there's going to be a clash, and, like, it's going to be, it's going to be like a Game of Thrones. Like, that's, you know, it's just, because that's the shit that, you know, is is just in my transom for 30 years, for the most part, until, like, the last decade, when I finally started reading everything else that's out there. But as I went on, I, re I really realized that, like, I didn't want to do that. Like, I, did, I just didn't want to. It wasn't interesting to me. I wanted it to be a story about them all coming together in a way. I guess kind of getting the spoilers now, but I mean, fuck it, I guess. Um, eight minutes in. They buying the book. It's fine. Yeah, they already got it. It's fine. But yeah, no, I was just like, I don't, I want, the, I want it to be about them coming together and figuring out things together and figuring out a way forward for the society that they've, spent all this time deconstructing and once i and that was a hard decision to make because it almost felt wrong it feels like people are going to expect this big clash at the end it's a big epic fantasy series you gotta have this big clash and i'm like things will still happen but why can't they all just get a, like get along like why can't that be a thing why can't they just come together and decide to be bros and just and just do the thing together once i got comfortable with that idea everything else just started to kind of click and in, click into place because I realized that felt more right than the other thing for their personalities and the way they had developed because they're all looking for allies. They're all looking for a way forward. They're all looking to do different versions of the same thing. Some of them more ruthlessly than others, but those are the circumstances they found themselves in. So, you know, it is what it is. So it just made more sense to me that no, if these women get together, they're not going to get petty and start tearing each other down. They're going to figure out a way to solve all of their problems at the same time together. And that was how I ended up moving forward with, with the finale. And I'm way, I'm much happier with that than if I'd stuck with the original But version. see, that moment way is happier. when I knew, that, that moment is when I knew whoever was the person who was in your life influencing how you thought about women was fully capable of being a warlord and we should appease her. Um, <laughs> oh my God, Nikki, yeah. I'm no, she, she, yeah. 
If the apocalypse comes and we survive, she will run shit. There's no question about that in my I'm, mind. And I will serve I will serve her dutifully. I'm totally fine with this. I was like, I just feel like whoever this is, is like if they play Risk, they just like line everything up in purple on Papua New Guinea and just fuck everybody. No! I was like, it's not okay. I'm just saying it's how I feel like. No, that's hilarious first of all just because great reference and second of all because you don't want to play any strategy based board game with my wife she will annihilate you yeah. anything with cards mm-hmm. anything with cards she'll sit there for a half hour and then at the, at the 30 minute mark just lay everything down at the same time and destroy you like that's no. my wife you so, said she made partner yeah. oh yeah no by the time I, she was 40 man she, is, she doesn't play I don't mess I was made friend yeah. when I went to law school so I made sure that those girls were oh. my friends I don't mm-mm. oh well then you you know, man. I don't even have to tell you. Yeah, it's it's real. Yeah. But I I really feel like, I feel like the idea that you had to overcome that oh there has to be this big epic battle or there's going to be mm-hmm. disappointment or or there's going to be disillusionment. I really felt like at the end of the day, it's a little bit of trope subversion in how people think women deal with each other or how women will deal with each other. But I. Mm-hmm. Really, I also, as a black person, I loved the idea that everyone in this book understood that zero sum doesn't have to exist, Mm. you know, and, and having them go all through these different circumstances to still come to this conclusion that, you know, if we stop bullshitting, (laughs) (laughs) things could possibly be legitimately different instead of us over here just performatively different. Uh, the exactly. World, the, the world can be bigger if we decide we give a damn about everybody and each other. Right. And I, I loved that idea because you didn't then turn them into all these people who were out here talking about, oh, we need to be retired into the soft life because that's also bullshit. Warlord still warlord. And... <laughs> <laughs> and... and so, like, getting to the conclusion of a book, and, like, I think I was about halfway through, which would have been about 3 right. o'clock this morning. Don't judge me. The book got here late. And I was Not like, I'm finishing this motherfucker. But, uh, and my, my, I'm texting people there. She's like, why are you awake? You're on the West no. Coast. I'm on the East Coast. Why are you texting me at 7 a.m. my time? I was like, I'm reading. It's amazing. I don't need sleep. She's like... Don't. Uh, is this a book that I I'm like yeah it's it's Savage Crown she's like it's Matt's book like we talk like we know you oh man come on that's awesome well I one clicked the book into her cart and on release day right. she suddenly had a new book in her library and she was like I don't remember buying this I was like you didn't I have your password <laughs> I bought it for you you're welcome oh wow but it's because you're a good friend, man. I'm insane, and if, you know, if you agree to hang out with me, you sign the terms and conditions of me, and then it's too late <laughs> there's there are certain things you accept as part of hazards that you accept as part of the deal. You opt it in, you. and there's right. no mediation clause. It's till death. <laughs> but oh, that's, that's amazing. Well, but, yeah. but that's literally also kind of the mentality that you came into when you're looking at these books with these people, and. I, I find it to be fascinating because, again, I've also read some of your shorter fiction and you said that's more your wheelhouse. Um, uh, how do you know when you're done when it's short fiction? <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. The truth is I haven't... I started out only wanting to write short stories and I haven't written a new short story in years at this point because I just... Now I do all these books and I'm, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do them, but... I don't know, man. I always thought of them. Um, Stephen King once described his early stuff as one real horror movies. So I guess I always kind of thought of it like that. Like, 
how do you do a, how do you, like a one act play or you like a one real movie it's like how do you do it it's almost like a short film mm-hmm. so i think of the structure of a short story like that it's a it's a complete thing it's just you know tinier so there's a beginning middle and an end but you're just doing it all within five thousand words usually because if you want to sell it that's what you have to do right. and that's just that helps too honestly and, sometimes and you're like it's, and i would like yeah. to sell it <laughs> I would like to make some money. I mean, not that you can make money writing short stories, but you know, that's something that we should, we all aspire to do. I mean, that's fair. You also write kids books, right? Yes, I do. I write middle grade, middle grade books, uh, that nine to 12 year old range. I have, uh, I've written two and I've got a new one coming out in October. Um, yeah, that's a recently new thing for me too. That's only been within the last two with the, basically the pandemic years. Um, but I love, I love doing it. I love writing books for kids. I, I, I want to write a million more of them. I mean, I read Bump to a Tiny Human. I needed to be still. And they sat captivated <laughs> while I was reading it to them. So thank you. I'll take that all day. That's, I mean, it was they you. Are a good, they're a good tool with it. It was you or duct tape, man. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you tried the book before you went to the tape. That just shows you have a good judgment. <laughs> Or I didn't have enough. I know the tape was. House. <laughs> you didn't. Right. So just like I didn't have the tape, so I went with the book. Yeah, it's like that's well, fine. No, but I, I really, I think it's fascinating because reading your middle grade, it doesn't feel like. It feels like you, but it doesn't right. feel like you sacrificed anything to write something in middle grade versus writing for an adult. I know. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I don't, yeah. And I don't think it should be. I think if it, if a middle grade book reads that way, they, they did it wrong, honestly, because writing middle grade. Well, and I'm not going to sit there and say I'm an expert and my middle grade books are like amazing or whatever, but I do believe, and this is what I try to do is writing middle grade. Well, is incredibly difficult. It's, it's its own thing. Um, writing for kids, but not writing down to kids is always a very big challenge. And a lot of middle grade books I, I read kind of get that confused. Like they're not, they're, they're kids. They're not, you know, stupid. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much me just in a different voice. And that was really how the whole thing started is my agent at the time, just, they tried to get me a gig, like a for higher gig writing a middle grade book. And I never thought about writing books for kids, obviously, because my stuff is so violent and, and swear word filled. But I tried to get this job and I didn't get it, but I wrote these samples and my agent was like, you know what? You actually, you have a shockingly good voice for middle grade. You should come up with your own middle grade and then I can sell that and we can stuff it down the throats of the people that didn't hire you. So that's really how Bump started, honestly. It was just like, I kind of had a good voice for it. We wanted to sell a book, so I wrote a middle grade book and I found that I actually really enjoyed doing it. And then when you, then when kids start reading your stuff and they like it, that gets you addicted to it, like hardcore. And like you want to do a good job for them and you want to make sure that you're writing books, that it's not just parents forcing them on the kids or that the parents think are appropriate. You want to write books that kids really dig because that's, they're like the purest audience in the world, man. And just, you know, the most honest audience too, because if they don't like it, they'll flat out tell you like, I didn't like it. (laughs) It's it's basically kids and my wife. They're my most honest critics and they're the ones that I look to. I think, I think there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, no, really bump, bump. Come on. You made a luchador historian, man. I'm here. Oh yeah, I had to. I was, I mean, I was, you know, I was a pro wrestler for for 10 years. That had to, that was going to happen sooner or later, but no, I chose to do it a with a MJ and B uh, with a middle grade, a 12 year old. 
You know, it, I think I think doing that context really helped me, actually, because I always had because people were on me for years to write something about wrestling because it just seemed like a natural. And it was very hard for me. I did. I did one adult novella with a friend of mine with his small press called Rancor. And I liked it a lot. But it, that was a difficult process because I just I was still too close to those years of my life. And they were very formative years. And there was a lot of good. and There was a lot of bad. and There was a lot of regret. And a lot of it's just it was very person. It's a very personal thing. So in a way doing middle grade and kind of taking it back to not writing about my career as a wrestler, but taking it back to those early days of like being in wrestling school and being a kid who loved wrestling. It helped me kind of get around my own baggage and get out of my own way to where I could write about wrestling um, just in a pure way that was just free of, of all these things that I attached to it that, that made it hard to do in the past. So it just was the right context at the right time. And then as far as MJ goes, man, it's just like, I just, it's kind of like with Nikki, it's, um, those are the kids I'm around all the time. At the time, I just I had a bunch of nieces, and they were all little brown girls trying to survive as little brown girls in America. So I wrote about a little brown girl in America. It's just it just came from life. Those were those were the kids that I was around most of the time. Well, I think the nose plays. It really does. Um, I <laughs> I love the reference. Nick, you love that reference. Those are her favorite movies. I'm just saying. All around, clearly, uh, you know, your warlord has good taste. But oh, very good taste. It's like I, I was dealing with I was dealing with someone like uh, I, they were semi strangers child, and I was like mm-hmm. I'm like why are you always out here by yourself What are you doing Who do you belong to <laughs> <laughs> I'm deeply concerned about the fact that you talk to strangers I mean what's going right. on and um, I was like, I am totally going to corrupt this child. And I was like, I was like, here, read this. And she's like, oh, I can't read that. It's above my grade level. I'm like, if you can tell me it's above your grade level, you can probably read it. That's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how about we read it together? Since you're all No, that's, a, that's amazing, dude. Come on. That's yeah. just like stately work right there. Except for the fact that I didn't really do... I picked up the book. I was like, oh, it's Matt. Well, I like Matt. I like Matt's writing. I'm like, I'm like, this could work. Did not realize that I was about to create a monster and then send it to someone else's house. She's no so no. stories. She's totally obsessed. Oh, wow. Like, Good, man. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, and and she's also now obsessed with reading. And I was like, mm, I didn't level set with your parents. Shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, but it's not, it's not your problem, so don't even worry about it. No. So that's, you... Dude, that's that's what we set out to do. That's I love that story. That's exactly why I write the OG books to begin with. And thank you for enabling me to do that. I but will do my level best. But seriously, if you leave your child unsupervised with me, they're coming back with oh, yeah. habits. I mean, the bad habit could be well, the, the sheer amount of profanity I use, or it could be my book <laughs> reading. You can pick. That's what I'm saying. No, um, one of my best friends, uh, Merle Lafferty, who I do, I do a, another podcast with called Ditch Diggers. Um, I've known her for almost 20 years at this point, and I've known her daughter's now in college, but I've known her daughter since she was very, very little. And when I hang around them back then, when she was three or four, they told they had to tell me it's like you have to stop cursing around our child like not a dick way but just like you know just please stop cursing around our child and i i and i from my perspective i did i stopped and i was very proud of myself and then years later when fiona's getting ready to go to college mer i was telling i was telling mer remember when you told me to stop cursing around her and i stopped cursing around her and mer's like dude you did not stop cursing around her what are you talking about you did not listen to us at all you curse around her all the time i'm like i did not and they're like no it was really bad but we could see that you were trying so we just couldn't we couldn't have the heart to tell you that was what it, that's what got them 
they can see I was making the effort, but failing and not realizing that I was failing. Hey, so you know what? I'm, I'm right there with you. That's fantastic. No, yeah, like I, I didn't realize how much I cussed until I was yeah. in school one day. And this other person said, well, this is some bullshit. And the teacher's like, hey, 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 watch your language. He's like, excuse me? This just I'm like, this chick is, she's like, she drops F-bombs and MFs in here. And the teacher's yeah. like, well, yeah, but she says stuff I want to hear in between the cuss words. So I just kind of pretend like I don't care the fact that she says motherfucker in here like Samuel L. Jackson every day. I was like, first of all, I'm going to call it racism when y'all call me Samuel Jackson. I was like, do y'all not know no. any black people who cuss? That's rude. And she was like, Rhonda, don't. She's like, you cuss like no. a sailor. You cuss like Jesus has never heard your name and you're never going to have to explain yourself in heaven. And I was like, <laughs> that might be a little deeper than I could do. You said, like, I'm never going to. I'm like, I'm like, am I going to have to explain how much I cuss when I go to heaven? She's like, God, go ask. So, that's, no. yeah. So, again, yeah, I get it. It's fun. And I, I prefer reading. Um, you said that you have a couple of new things coming out. Besides, oh, yeah, obviously, no. Savage Crown on Savage Crowns, June 13th. Yeah. June 13th, yes. No, so my new middle grade book um, is called Nowhere Special. It's coming out October 24th, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very, very excited and proud about this one. I honestly think it's the best book I've written, period. Not just an MG, but just period. Um, it's another very personal story. It's about growing up um, in, the des- in the desert deep in Southern California where I grew up. It's got a lot of heavier themes and stuff that I worked with before. We actually had to do a little, little content warning at the beginning there, but I really did try to keep it in the spirit of something that an 11 or 12 year old, it would be okay for them to read and would kind of prompt discussion about the things that we're talking about in a healthy way. But I'm just, I'm very excited about the book and I really hope it gets out there and, and a lot of, a lot of kids get to get to read it. So yeah, Nowhere Special, October 24th. And then yeah, Savage Crown June 13th. Those are, those are the two I have coming out this year. And then, after that, we don't know yet. I've got a new, I got a new agent. I signed with a new agent at the beginning of the year, and we're working on a bunch of stuff, but nothing, nothing set yet. Well, I'm gonna keep positive thoughts in your head simply because you know, um, I would hate to have to roll up on your agent and say, "Who do I need to go talk to?" Problem. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not gonna have to do that. I chose uh, my new agent. I chose an agent who's very much like the warlord, my wife, and. Uh, she is uh, she is Nikki approved and she's doing a great job. I'm very happy with how things are going so far. Becky Lejeune of Bond Literary, shout out to Becky. Excellent. And uh, yeah, no, we're we're gonna do, we're gonna do great things for sure. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Um, I absolutely realized about 20 minutes in, I never actually properly introed the show, so I will. No, <laughs> no, dude, that's good. I again, I do a podcast myself. The best ones are when you're actually just having a conversation you're enjoying having. I've just I've just been cool hanging out with you, so yeah. this has been awesome. Yeah, this is fun. I deeply appreciate you. Um, I, I dig your writing. I dig your shit posting. Uh, <laughs> And um, uh, I will drop some links for people to be able to buy your books and we will not be going to, you know, that one place for my links, but they will go to bookshop. So at least I, hopefully they can. Absolutely. Buy indie whenever possible. I tell people that all the time and I always try to use those links myself. So yes. definitely improve. Very, yes. very good practice. Yes, please. And if you, I mean, let's be real. If you have a preferred black owned bookstore that you know that you can get your hands on, if they don't have it in stock, they can and will order it for you. Matt Wallace yep. is always worth a pre-order and a release day order because we like books that have to be counted towards the New York Times bestseller list. I'm just saying. <laughs> No, it's all that's all true, and it all matters. You know, I wish it didn't matter as much as it does, but it absolutely does. So thank you for that. Yes. So okay, I will release you back into the wild. 
Thank you so much. I really, seriously, this was a great, great time. And I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Ron. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good day. Stay out of trouble if at all possible. If not, turn it into fiction so I can read about it later. I'll mark it down just for you. See? I feel special now.